Welcome to Americana One. This is Ken Paulson. You know, one of my favorite things about Nashville, which is our home base, is that it is not a town of snobs. In fact, the people who live here love all kinds of music. The whole notion music cities about country is fine and good for the Tourism Bureau, but this town loves all kinds of music. And if you've ever had success in any genre, any form, people respect you. They like you. They admire you. And as a result, there have been people who have been essentially one-hit wonders who in this town, if they walk into a room of accomplished session players and musicians and artists, people just kind of crowd around them and go, really, you sang lead on Come On Down to My Boat for Every Mother's Son? You know, it's like, wow, uh, the guy who sang lead on Brandy from Looking Glass. I've I've seen some of the best musicians in this town go, wow, that's amazing. Uh, That will come forward as you hear this conversation we're about to begin with Steve Poltz. Steve had a a great hit with Jewel, co-written with Jewel. And he says for years he kind of was embarrassed about it until he got to Nashville. (laughs) This is a town that respects success, and Steve Poltz has had his share. We look forward to this conversation. We are delighted to welcome Steve Poltz to this conversation. He, he's he got a brand new record, and it's it's about time. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. And uh, coming in March, right? Yes, on March 1st. And this one's called Shine On. Yes. And it's produced by one of our dearest friends, Will Kimbrough. Oh, man, I love him so much. I saw his show last night. He was playing at a 723 Whiskey Bravo, and I rushed over there to make sure I wasn't going to miss it because we just spent so much time together in Nashville making this record and he's such a gem of a human being and uh, we became very close as you do when you make a record. Right. So. Well, when I, um, I do a, a good amount of reviewing of new releases and I always look to see if Kimbrough's playing on it or <laughs> if he's producing it and that's like this sign of quality, right? Oh, good, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we met a long time ago when uh, I was in the Rugburns years ago and he was in the Nervous Rex with Todd Snyder and so we all would play wiffle ball inside bars after sound checks when it was empty <laughs> and it was really fun and so I'm talking years ago in the 90s when I was in the Rugburns and then uh, we'd always kept in touch and I, I was definitely familiar with his work and then I moved to Nashville about three years ago and bought a house and I just thought it would be fun to make a record with Will finally because we always said we were going to do that so I'm one of these people who actually follows through even though it might take 20 years. I, uh, I'm struck by how long it took you to come to Nashville. I have to tell you that we first saw you in Nashville at a club called Cafe Milano and um, it was probably 97 or something. You fresh off the first album and you're promoting that oh right and i remember that night that was a great that was a great club um and then you, it takes you until three years ago to to move to nashville what, what was the hold up there i know right it's so crazy i remember the ex- this is what's weird about sometimes how my mind works there's certain things i remember and the reason i remember that is because my buddy albanetta was there ah. and so <laughs> he i'd just known him over the years and he was like heckling me and we were having so much fun and uh I, I re- also remember I had just written a song called Hawaiian Songs That Don't Sound Hawaiian that I've never played since, but in my mind I know that night I played that song. You know what's strange about <laughs> that is that is also the night I met Al Bonetta. What? <laughs> yeah. That I, I, uh, I'm a huge Steve Goodman and John Prine, you are. Prine fan and grew up in Chicago and saw them in their formative oh. years. And I saw a, a fellow reporter there and I said, is that Al Bonetta? Could you please introduce me? And he did, and I just went over to thank him for, he, he'd been putting out Goodman's records and Oh Boy and all that. I just thanked him for keeping the flame alive. So that that was a big night for Al. Everybody was uh, fawning over him. No, it <laughs> really was, and I remember because 
he invited me to Frog Hollow Farm, his, his farm the next day, and I went out there, and I, I met Yuri, who's yeah. now also gone right. from the planet as is Al. But I remember being there and just looking, going, man, I should move to Nashville. I could have a farm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But I didn't do it till three years ago. All right. Well, 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 welcome to town. Thank you. <laughs> We're glad you're I finally there. I was late there. getting there. Yeah. So I'm curious. Uh, San Diego was your home for a long time, right? Yes. And so what's the difference in musical scenes in San Diego and Nashville? Well, okay, here's the thing. I was born in um, Halifax, Nova Scotia, so I'm a dual citizen of the U.S. and Canada, and I've always played a lot in Canada. And then also my dad moved us when we were kids to Southern California because he wanted to get away from the snow, so we moved to Palm Springs. And then I went to college in San Diego. And the only reason I went to San Diego is because my sister went there, and it was like the movie Almost Famous. I just kind of did everything she did. She left me her records, her waterbed, taught me how to listen to Joni Mitchell. Like, she taught me how to listen, like put my head between the speakers and how to harmonize, and she was a taskmaster. And so since she went to San Diego State, I followed her footsteps, and then once I got there, I mean, that was such a big city for me after living in Palm Springs. I was in the city, and they had sports teams, and you know, a music scene somewhat, and I became friends with these guys, the Beat Farmers and uh, Mojo Nixon, and so I got kind of indoctrinated into that whole scene, and then my friends, all these bands started, Rocket from the Crypt, there was there were so many things happening, and then uh, this guy Java Joe opened a coffee house, and that's where I met Jewel, and then we wrote a big hit song, and I toured with her, and we got to record that record at Neil Young's Ranch, so I, I just, became a part of the fabric of San Diego for 30 years huh. and now I'm here I never put wet towels on the floor anymore Please remind our listeners about what a big hit that was and how it came about. Okay, well, what happened, the song is called You Were Meant For Me, and it was on her debut album, which was called Pieces Of You. And uh, I met Jewel, she was a barista at Java Joe's, this coffee house, and late night it would turn into a poker parlor in the back, as most places do. And so I would always show up at like two in the morning to play poker, and I'd walk in in my pajamas. <laughs> this is how I would drive in my van in my pajamas, and I knew there'd be a poker game in the back, and Jewel would still be there, and then she'd say, hey, do you want a drink? And I'd get some tea or whatever she was making, and um, we became friends, and then uh, ended up writing all these songs. And little did I know that, what a, how much it would change my life as far as it was good for me. It was like an endowment from the arts. <laughs> and you know, all these, it was back in the days when you could still get a big record deal, and there, was, there were bidding wars, and there were, uh, uh, limousines pulling up and uh, uh, Tommy Mottola there was Danny Goldberg all these people from these big labels were bidding on Jewel and then that record was out for a year and nothing happened and then the hit that we wrote You Were Meant For Me clicked and I'd never been a part of something like that and next thing I know we were on a tour we were in private jets we played Woodstock 99 and I, I, had, I loved it. I, I was never out to find a hit song. I was in the Rugburns. I was writing songs like Me and Eddie Vedder and Hitchhiker Joe <laughs> and songs whose titles I can't even say on this show. Yeah. And so um, 
<laughs> one thing led to another and I had this hit and I'd always written all different kinds of songs The Rugburns eventually broke up and I kept touring but I knew all like San Diego will always be a home to me like when I see the Chargers on TV even though they moved to LA I still you know the Padres are my team and I, I, San Diego's mm -hmm. in me but man there's nothing like a move to Nashville yeah well, uh, you made the right choice, young man. We're, we're glad, glad oh you're there. Oh my gosh, I really did. <coughs> yeah. You know, and I have, I have so many friends there. So I'm, what I'm struck by is this is the 38 uh, Songwriters Festival, and uh, the place is full of talented artists who write great songs and have pretty good, really good reviews, actually. They're all A-team here. But 98% of them, if they go to a party of people, and somebody says, so you're a songwriter, what have you written? They don't have, I mean, they don't, nothing that, nothing they've written, I mean, it's all me and Eddie Vedder stuff, right? It's right. critically acclaimed, <laughs> but not in any elevators. But you've got the song. This is a great segue into, this is a great question, actually, because when I lived in San Diego, I was almost mocked by the punk scene. Like, not mocked, but people like, oh, you remember me, Jewel, because it broke <laughs> big, you know? And it's sort of like the crabs in a pot theory where somebody tries to keep you from climbing out. And so I was almost like, sorry. I was apologetic about it. And uh, then I moved to Nashville, and I was like, you wrote that? <laughs> Next thing I know, they're like, I want to write with you. Can I write with you? And, and uh, we own a beautiful home there in East Nashville, and I constantly am doing co-writes, and it's so fun because I love... I just wrote a bunch with Molly Tuttle for her record. Oh. I wrote a cool one with Billy Strings. Um, I, I'll be writing with Sierra Hole. There's like all these people that I can write with, um, and it's so fun. So tell us about Ballin' on a Wednesday. Okay, I went out, my booking agency is called Madison House, and their headquarters are in Boulder, but they have a satellite office in Nashville and one in Ann Arbor. My agent's in Ann Arbor, however, one of his cohorts lives in Nashville, a guy named Jordan, and we went out to, uh, to eat. It was a Wednesday afternoon, and we were going to get a sandwich, and he was introducing me to music publishers and stuff, and so the lady, it was a beautiful Wednesday, and the lady goes, um, that'll be $7.67 or whatever it costs. And I pulled a $100 bill out, and she goes, ooh, ballin' on a Wednesday. <laughs> and she had a gold tooth, and it was glistening in the light. And I said to her, did you just say ballin' on a Wednesday? <laughs> and she said, yes, I did. I said, I'm going to go write a song right now. So I got home, and then I started working on the song, and then my friend Anthony DaCosta, who lives in Nashville now too, he called me up and said, what you doing? I said, I'm writing a song called Ballin' on a Wednesday. And it was like if it were a cartoon, it would be, his car screeched up. He goes, I have to get on. This is the greatest <laughs> title. So then we wrote it together, and um, that's the first single. And it's kind of cool because songs are just floating in the air in Nashville. You go out to eat and people, that lady basically handed me a song yeah. title. I should track her down and pay yeah, her. Yeah, but you'll ask for co-write. Yes, you know will. that. So that's how it goes, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all. Albanetta about. would want a piece of it just <laughs> because right. he came to my show in '97. <laughs> he inspired it. Yeah, At some level he inspired it. He did. Well, I am curious, um, is this record different from, um, you've got a great body of work, you've done a lot of independent label stuff, 
does is this your you know your sergeant pepper is this different from what you've what has come before it fits into the long line and the lineage of what i've done it doesn't fit into the rug burn stuff so much but it it fits it's a perfect piece if, if my career is kind of like a uh, monopoly board and i'm trying to get all the way around the board this is my i'm, I'm in a good spot on the board mm. right now it, it fits right in it's a good segue from uh, Folk Singer, the last record I made. Yeah. And uh, I'm finally learning how to make records at this age. <laughs> you know, I feel that I'm, I'm understanding what works best for me is working with somebody like Will, who's simpatico to the way I think, who speaks the same language I do. Because a lot of times you get with someone and you say, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about that one Chris Whitley album. And you go, oh yeah, Big Sky Country when we talk about a song. Yeah, remember that sound they had? Or, You know, there's like a language you get. The right. more you do this and you can discuss older records, Stevie Goodman, for instance. And so what I've learned for me is I like to go in, I don't want to wear headphones, I just want to do the song and I want it to be road tested. And then I want to build upon that song rather than go in and have like a sterile click track and then lay this down and then not have the vocal with it because I play and sing it differently. So Will understood that. So it was just myself and Will sitting in his house making this record because you can get the best sounds now. And Will is a genius and he could play anything. And so I go, he go, who do you want to play bass on? I go, you. And then he go, yeah, okay, cool. Because he's got a good feel. <laughs> What about this? You play the lead on that. I'll play this. And then, you know, if we want to add drums. So I really like the vibe we got out of it. And I, f I feel like I'm, it's always a never-ending journey. And I'm not where I want to be yet as a songwriter or a performer or a uh, recording artist. But I'm getting there. That's great. I love what you said about the language. Because uh, I teach a, a course in popular music history to aspiring artists, singers, songwriters, and re re recording engineers. And I always say, you know, this is not, it's not a history course. This is a language course because when you're in a studio, you say, you will end up saying, well, can we do what Phil Spector did with the crystals on that record? And you have the guns. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you've got to know who they are. Uh, you know, it's, it's as yeah. basic as a Chuck Berry riff or whatever it is. Yes. You have to be able to speak as that community speaks. So that's why you need to know the history of popular music. And, and most of them buy that, but... Uh, no, that's a good line. Like last night I went to see Tommy Stinson play, who was in The Replacements, and for me, that they were some of my, they were, like, I love The Replacements, and watching Tommy play last night, I was like, it's like this kid was ripped from the, his family at 14 and raised by Westerberg <laughs> and his older brother Bob Stinson, and he grew up in the back of a van, and the way he sang those songs, they were so Westerbergian. <laughs> and, and the way he played them and his devil-may-care attitude and what he said when he got on stage, he goes, he just looks at the audience, and he had that punk ethos, and he just goes, man, this place is weird. I was having dinner, and I was like, there's a lot of plastic surgery here. And the show's <laughs> packed where he's saying it to everybody there. He said, and then he goes, I like them big and I like them small. I just want them real. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like a replacement. Doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. 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 Well, you mentioned the Monopoly board. You, I, I gather you're on Park Place, headed for home. Uh, I hope so. I, I, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Again, let's remind people about the brand new album in March, Shine On. Featuring the first single, Ballin' on a Wednesday. Yes, sir. S Steve Pulse, a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, you too. Thank you so much. Glad you're in Nashville. Me too. Thanks. Celebrate life. Let it all fall free.
kick off your shoes and wiggle your feet. Shine on, shine on, shine on. Our thanks to the ever-entertaining Steve Poltz. Always glad to have him join us here on Americano One. And we are so glad he's had the insight, the wisdom to move to Nashville, Tennessee, where all the hip musicians live and work. Please remember that this show and others like it are available on the podcast platform of your choice. And uh, we want to also tell you that we'll be back again next week with Americano One with another very cool guest full of very cool stories. This is Ken Paulson.